Do we not just love these guys, your pastors? Good night. This is a tall pulpit. I feel short. It was National Short Day a couple of days. You know, they're having all these days on whatever with pictures and stuff. And I told my friend from second grade back in Virginia, she's shorter than I am, and I said, I missed it. I must have been too short to see the signage. (laughs) But anyway... We love being over here. We love your pastors. We love all your staff, all your people, and all of you that have come to be a part of this church. You know, it takes people that are fearless in this day and hour. Fearless and not intimidated. And I'm just saying, do not be afraid. Neither let your heart be troubled. You've trusted in God, trust in me, Jesus says. Don't look at your own understanding, but in all your ways, if you acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths, and I'm putting a bunch of scriptures together because they just all come out that way with me. But when you study to show yourself approved, it becomes part of the fabric of your life. So we should have enough word in us that if there's ever something, just a scripture or a portion of a scripture or with me a hymn or an old song, we'll just pour out because that's what's in you. Not words of fear, not words of oh my or anything, but it should be what is in you will just pour out of you. And I'm just encouraging you. Keep yourself planted deep in the Word of God. Let your roots go deep in God because there's no dryness there. All the tap roots are deep into the fullness, and the river of God will flow out of you like a big gush to water all the dry hearts around you. Love you. Awesome. Great. And I agree with Donna that we're so happy to be here. We certainly love uh, Pastor Matt and Katie. They're so dear to us. And uh, also Mike, Pastor Mike, and uh, his beautiful, gorgeous bride. And uh, I love them so much. And um, all of you, it's just such a good, uh, wonderful to be with all of you. And I got to tell you, I have, a sp- I have a special treat here tonight that actually my mother is here tonight. That mom and, and mom, this is mom. Stand up. This is my mom, and my mom is my mom. In this month, coming up the twenty fourth of October, will be ninety one years old. That's something. Her and Vernon, uh, it's a delight to have you here. You know that my mother. We started a church in nineteen eighty, and my mother was our first employee. And uh, at Life Church, she actually uh, came on the staff, I mean, within a year after we started. And uh, so she started uh, in 1981. And do you know that she's still working on staff at Life all, all of these years later? Of course, she's now in charge of all the, um, well, little older people. And uh, and her and Vern, we appreciate them so much. And uh, so anyway, are you all ready to get in the Word? Let's get in the Word. I hope you come ready to study the Bible, Bring brought your Bible with you. I think these scriptures will be on the screen, but it's good to bring your Bible. And uh, 
so get ready. The title of my message uh, is simply the parable, the parable of uh, something, the parable of the lamp and the oil, the parable of the lamp and the oil. Let's pray. Can you all stand to your feet with me while we pray? Now, Father God, we just come to you humbly. I come to you humbly. And uh, God, with a heart of gratitude to you for all the things, God, that you've done, God, in my life, for me and Donna, for our family, God, for our church, and God, for this church, God, and uh, Pastor Matt and Katie. Lord God, we just thank you for the, your, as we sang earlier, Lord, your goodness has has been displayed in our lives and toward us in so many ways for so many years. And we just thank you for that, Lord. Now, we come to this moment tonight, oh God, here on Saturday evening. Lord, I know that people come from doing many different things on Saturday. But Father God, would you help us to stop and just stand still before you in your presence? Because God, we don't want to just go come to a church to church and just go through the motions and sing a few songs, hear a nice little message, and then go home, you know, just without our hearts being touched in a very deep way. So, Father, we just stop right now. Everybody just do this. Do this. We just stop right now. We, we calm our, and still our minds before you. Lord God, we just stand before you, God, and we wait to hear your voice, to hear what you have to say. Father God, speak to us tonight. We need a word from heaven. We don't need a word from man. We need a word from you, O oh God. God, may your word pierce our hearts, God. May it rip open our hearts, Father God, and pour your healing balm on the inside of us, Lord God. May tonight be a transformation night, God, where your word comes and God does surgery in our hearts and transforms us. Father God, we invite you to come, God, right in the middle of this service, Lord God. By your Holy Spirit, come and fill the room, Lord God, and move upon our hearts, God. We love you, God, that we may see you, God. Help us that our, let the scales fall from our eyes, Lord God. Let our eyes be open. Let our, <laughs> let our eyes be open. God, help us to, to unplug our ears, God. Let our ears be open that we may hear, our eyes that we may see. Oh, Lord God, may you stir up our hearts, God, and open up our hearts, God, that we may feel your burden, God, your desire uh, implanted in us, Lord God. Father God, we, we count it a privilege, God, to be here before you, Lord God. We worship you, God. We stand before you. We acknowledge you. Father, we hear that you may receive all the glory and all the honor, God, that your name may be praised, that your name may receive all of the honor that's due unto that name. Father, we love you, God. We thank you, O oh, precious Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, the great I am, the one who was and is and is to come, the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the creator of all things, the redeemer of our souls, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, we thank you that your son Jesus came to die on the cross, suffered in our place that we may live that we may come alive. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for that. Jesus, that you are the bright and morning star. You are the rose of Sharon. Oh, yeah. Father, open our eyes that we may see you tonight, that we may see your ways. 
We bless you and we honor you. We worship you, God. Worship you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. All right, you can be seated. I want you to, first of all, look with me in Hosea chapter 10. I said the message is the parable of the lamp and the oil, and that's found in Matthew 25. So actually, that's really where we're going to be camped out for the majority of our time. But I wanted to open up this way in Hosea 10, 12. You know, uh, there are scriptures, what I call revival scriptures. Uh, in other words, scriptures that whenever you pray for God to come to the church afresh and anew and pour out his spirit, uh, there, there are scriptures in the New Testament, but there are many scriptures in the Old Testament that are speaking of Old Testament Israel. That, that's one application, but always they have another application, and that's for us as the church today. Are you all with me now? And, and there are certain scriptures that I believe we are to take before the throne and cry out to God, appealing to him to do what he said in his word in this day and hour, to pour out his spirit. But to me, really one of the greatest scriptures, uh, revival scriptures in the Old Testament, is one that's very interesting. I think uh, the spirit of God must, have been, must be in this thing, that this is what your pastor opened up with tonight. Uh, Hebrews 10, 12. It says this, sow for yourselves righteousness. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Now, obviously, the, this passage, you know, the reason I say it's a revival scripture is because it talks about, you know, praying crown to God for him to rain righteousness upon us. But the centerpiece of this scripture is right in the middle, and that is break up your follow ground. As has already been mentioned, that follow ground is, follow ground is interesting. Now, think with me just a moment. That uh, follow ground, many people would th look at it as ground that's, just, that's never been plowed. It's hard because it is, it's, it's, it's been neglected always. It's never been used. But that's not what fallow ground is. Fallow, fallow ground is actually soil or ground that once bore great fruit. It was once very fruitful, but since then, over time, it has no longer been planted or sown or watered upon and it is like dormant, and through neglect, now listen to me, through neglect, then the soil becomes hard. And of course, it doesn't say take a rocket scientist to figure this out, or, nor a theologian, that the follow ground is talking about our hearts. It's talking about us. So when, when God says to break up your follow ground, he's actually saying to us to break up the soil of our heart that has become hardened uh, over time. Now, when I speak of a hard heart, many people think of just people who are outright rebellious or totally away from God, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, don't want to have anything to do with God. That's not what he's talking about here when he talks about this hardened ground. This follow ground, again, it's, it, it's a picture for us of Christians who've known what it's like to sit in the presence of God. They know what it's like to petition God and see God answer prayer. They know what it's like to worship him and feel his presence. They know what it's like to read his word and have God speak to them out of the word. They know what that's like. 
But for some reason over a period of time, through neglect, the ground or the soil of their heart has become hardened. And now no longer are they experiencing in God the things that, you, that they used to experience. You know, for Israel at this time, what was happening is Hosea, the prophet Hosea, was actually, uh, in his day, he was prophesying this to an Israel who had once known God, had been close to God, and enjoyed the blessing of God's presence and all that comes with that. But now over time, Israel had become hardened. And they drifted from God. They broke God, his covenant. And now they were living in disobedience. And Hosea the prophet speaks to them uh, uh, as people who has follow ground that needs to be broken up. And so anyway, I'll just say this. Listen, this passage, this scripture uh, is a, a, a handbook, if you please, for anybody who's fallen away from God or drifted from God, you know, no matter how far, uh, you know, but, you know, maybe you've just drifted a little bit from God. But if you've known a place in God where God was moving in your life, where you could hear, you feel the presence of God, you heard the voice of God, you knew what it was like to cry in his presence and be touched and overwhelmed by his goodness and his presence. But since then, over a period of time, no matter how short or long, if you can say that you've gradually come to a place where you no longer cry in his presence, you no longer can hear his voice, you no longer uh, know what it's like to sit in his presence and just feel the presence of God and be overwhelmed by the presence of God, then this is uh, a process for you coming back to God. Can somebody say amen? Now, the thing that's interesting, follow ground, and think of this in relation to your heart, to our hearts. Follow ground is hardened, and the reason it needs to be broken up is because when the seed is planted in that, planted on follow ground, it goes, the seed lands on top of the soil, but because it's hard, it doesn't go into the soil, right? And so anyway, uh, what that's a picture of is for us as Christians, we can hear the word of God, you know, and even we receive it, as Mark 4 says, with gladness. We may shout amen to it, you know, and, and you can feel when you're in a service like this, maybe the word of God touching you on the surface. But if, you've, if your ground has fallen, fallen into being fallow ground, then what happens is that word that touches you during a message, by the time you go home or by the time the next day or next week, literally you feel no lasting impact from that, from that message. Let me tell you something, preaching is not designed to just encourage you or lift you so that you can come once a week and make it through another week. You know, someone told me that one time, Pastor, thank God for your preaching because it just, it, it, because hearing your preaching, I, I can make it through another week. And I said, you don't know it, but you've insulted me because my preaching is not like some little vitamin pill for you to take so that you can make it through another week. That my preaching is really, it's not just to bless you now. My preaching is actually to prick your hearts and prod you in a way that will bring blessing to your life later on. Amen. And he said that he may come and rain righteousness on you. So, you know, he says to break up the ground because on this fallow ground, you can come into the presence of God, feel the presence of God, but yet, and we think because we felt the presence of God in worship that we're okay. 
But that may not be the case. Because if, if we've got follow ground, what happens, we still have some desire for God, but we experience God in the worship. But then when we go home, that presence just washes right off of our soil. It just goes right off into the ditch. And so anyway, he says, break up your follow ground. Everybody say, break up your follow ground. He said, first time to seek the Lord. Look with me here, Neil, in the book of Joel, real quick, if you will. And Joel chapter 2 and verse 13. It says this in Joel 2, 13. He says, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Well, interesting, you know, Joel here now is a prophet who's speaking to Israel again when they've fallen away from God. Their ground has become hardened. And now he's telling them to, to, to rend your heart, not your garments. He was speaking to a people who were used to very loud, boisterous prayer meetings. And when they prayed, you know, they prayed to be heard and to be seen. And they would rip their garments, rend their garments as an act of contrition or as an act of repentance. And Joel basically is saying to them, when he says, rend your heart, but not your garments, he says, listen, I'm not really impressed with your outward display of piety or of contrition or repentance. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't really mean anything to me at all. He said, keep your clothes on. I want you to rip your heart open before God. Hallelujah. In other words, God says this. He says, if your ground has become follow, you need to break it up so God, the seed of God's word to go, go down into your soul where it can germinate, take root in there, and God can begin to mess with you on the inside of your soul. And then as God messes with you, then true repentance, which is not making some outward show of repentance, but, but, but it's a ripping of your heart. I love that, that violent picture of ripping my heart. If I've fallen away from God or if I've become distant, if I've come, even in like in the service night, if I can sing the songs, hear the message, go through these services time and time again, but yet I'm not really moved to that deep of a level. Do you all realize that you can sing and worship? You can even lead worship up here. You can be a worship leader and be singing with your mouth. In other words, you're ripping your outer garments, but your heart is still intact. It's, it's, your heart is still hardened. Thank you for your tremendous response. I love this. And when preaching this, you know, like you say, well, that's kind of tough stuff, you know. It's look, let me tell you something. Any preacher or pastor who really loves you will visit these scriptures with you. They'll break these things open and they will show you what these things mean so that you can be invited into this fresh place where God becomes near once again, where God becomes your life once again and you're overwhelmed by the sense of God's presence and you hear the voice of God and nothing bothers you anymore because God and you have got this thing going and no matter what is happening with you and the rest of the world, as long as you and God have got this thing going, nothing can shake you. 
Nothing can bother you. He said, so rip your heart open, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. And I love this. I said, you, some people think, they think, oh, these, these, man, this is a harm, a repentance message. You know, come back to God message. You've fallen away message. You know, as if these things were designed to somehow lead you into some life where you, because you're obeying God and you're praying and you're serving him, that you're led down a path of misery where you can never enjoy life again. When look what he says, he says, if you'll rip your heart open before God and not your garments, return to the Lord. And he says this, he says, for he is gracious and he is merciful. He is slow to anger. Ah, he doesn't have guys like me preach messages like this to you because he's mad at you. It's because he loves you and he misses you and he's merciful. He's not angry. And he's of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Wow, I pondered for some time that one phrase, he relents from doing harm. It didn't say that he doesn't do harm. It said he relents from doing harm, which means that sometimes people who have loved God can walk down a path far enough and they have resisted the voice of God long enough. And they have, they have walked in the flesh and guided and ruled by the things of this world long enough. Where they've got gradually got so distant from God that God has already begun to put down the assignments for judgment to come upon that person's life and their soul. Now, listen, when you think of judgment, you understand what that judgment is for a Christian. Even if you've drifted from God, judgment in the house of God is not open judgment where your whole life is destroyed. It's a judgment on the inside of your soul where God begins to mess with you and deal with you to such, and, and basically says, you know, he did this with Old Testament Israel. He starts messing with them and says, I'm giving you another chance to repent. If you don't, he says, then, he says, the, the dew is going to be taken away from you. D-E-W, dew is no longer going to fall. The rain from heaven that waters your crop and therefore causes abundance is going to be taken from you. And so they become lack. But the Bible says, he, relent. he says, come, rip your heart open, return to God, because God relents from doing harm. In other words, you know what he's saying by giving us this? God is saying this. This is God. And God is saying, I'm inviting you, you who've drifted to any degree. You maybe even some people in this place, so I can just make sure you know I'm talking to the people in this house and not somebody outside. And it's not, about you, it's not about just this church. Personally, I would say this in any church I stand before. And that is when we talk about drifting from God, we're not talking about somebody that is so, so drifted from God that everybody in this place can look at them and that they know it. We're talking about have you taken any steps back from where you used to be with God? Have you, can you look back to any moment previously when you were more on fire for God, when you, you would sit in the worship and tears roll down your face and no longer can, can you bring any brokenness and trembleness to bear and, and tears to come upon your face? Then if that's the case, the thing is this, folks, the appeal is return to the Lord because God was Christians. God 
calls us not just to some normal church experience, Christian life, you know, where we just kind of go through life and we come to church and add that to everything we're doing. And, oh, yeah, I love God. You know, I've worshiped it this week and I heard the message. No, our lives through to be a burning flame for God. You understand that there, our, our Christian life is to be fiery with passion for his presence. Thank you for that one. Amen. God bless you, sister. Thank you so much. That's just wonderful. I love this. Now, having said that, let's move on. Let's move to this parable. Matthew chapter 25. So this being the case, listen, this parable is dealing with exactly what I'm talking about. And so let's look at it and go through this. It says in Matthew 25, verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their oil, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So I want you to look at this. If you have a pen and paper, you can write some of these little, little points or thoughts down. But I want to break this down, this whole parable. It begins with this. It begins by him saying the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. So look at this. All ten of them were in the house of God, if you please. All ten of them had started out to follow God. But as they were going on, now look at the context of this parable is that Jesus is talking about the soon return, of, uh, his soon return. When the, when the bride is getting ready to, bridegroom is getting ready to return for the bride. And he said, as the bridegroom gets, get ready, gets ready to return for the bride, he says he divides or separates people into two categories. He says, we all have lamps, but there are five of them that took no oil and five of them that did. Now let's talk about the lamp. What is the lamp? Think of the lamp with us this way. The lamp is just your sphere of influence in life. Your sphere of influence in the world. Every one of us has a lamp. God has given us that lamp. And that lamp is, let's say, it's the sphere of influence, including our job, our home, our marriage, our raising our kids. It includes our money, you know, finances. You know, it includes our church life. You know, it includes our life out in the community. Our sphere of life that has been given to us is our lamp. And it says here that the five foolish had their lamp, but they took no oil for their lamp. But I love this. Listen to this. This is so powerful. He said the wise, he said they took oils. Listen to this. He says those, verse 3, those who were foolish took, no, their, took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And I never got this before. It was so powerful. Listen to this. 
And that is that, okay, the foolish didn't take any oil, you know, for their lamps. But it didn't mean they didn't have oil. Because if they hadn't had any oil, their lamps wouldn't have been burning or shining. And they, their lamps were shining at the time. You remember later what we just read, it says they are going out. It didn't say they were out, they were going out. So they had oil in their lamps. But I love this, listen. It's not just a matter of foolish have no oil and, and the wise have oil. No, the wise, he says, they took oil in their vessels with their lamp. And that hit me, man. Oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. Because what he's saying is this. The wise, he's saying, here's what they do. He said, the foolish... They're only praying every day, doing their, quote, devotional, so that they can kind of season their day and get enough oil on their life so they can do what they have to do today. See, they're just getting oil to service the shining of the lamp. But the wise in God, he said, they're not content with pursuing God in the morning with just oil for their lamp. They are going for God in such a way that fills their lamp and fills their vessel with reserves. I love that. I love that. Because what it means is this. This picture here is exactly why the foolish in church, that they have enough oil that when everything's going all right, man, they show up and, man, they've got a praise. You know, they still got faith. Everything's okay. But they haven't, they haven't stored up enough oil for when crisis comes or emergency comes. Everything's, they're fine when everything's doing good. But when an emergency or crisis comes, they freak out. You know, they get discouraged. You know, he's just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, pandemic. My God, what's going to happen? Unrest in our next. My God, what are we going to do? You know, it's like we've got just enough oil for every, if everything's going good. But dear heart, let me tell you something. You don't need just enough oil for when everything's going good because there is an enemy of our soul that has set out with a strategy to try to undermine our faith. And he will see to it that we have opposition, persecution, trouble, and all kinds of crises come our way. And you need enough oil so that whenever all hell breaks loose in your life, everybody's against you, nothing's going right, You've still got your song in the middle of the night. You've still got your joy. You've still got your peace, even though all hell's breaking loose. Hallelujah. You don't wait till all hell's breaking loose to go get extra oil. Hallelujah. Oh, the devil's come after you. All hell's breaking loose. Okay, let me just see. Let me grab. I don't even need to open my eyes to do it. Let me grab my vessel that's got reserves, and I'm going to put a little more oil in my lamp. I love that. And let me just make a practical note of this. And that is that, let me just say, what is it to pursue God for extra reserves of oil? You see, those who really seek God, not just so they can be blessed, but they seek God for his purposes and his glory. Seeking God, being foolish, is praying, doing your little devotional, getting your promise from the promise book, you know, and, you know, saying your prayers and going along your way. That's foolishness. 
Whenever your prayer life or your life with God revolves, not just your prayer life, but pe people's church life revolves around this. Where they go to churches where they can hear nice, encouraging messages all the time. God loves you. God wants you to be blessed, dear heart. Just put in your pacifier once again, and it's all right. We'll change your little diapers. Just God bless you all. You know, I mean? you know they think, you know, it's like, it's all about me. That's the foolish. I'm just getting lamb. Even in pursuing my prayer, my prayer is actually selfish because I just want oil to get my lamb burning again. That's all. So I can shine out there before the world publicly. If you want to build up reserves of oil, you have to seek God to go beyond your prayer life that just revolves around you. You need to begin to begin to think about his greater purposes. You need to begin to lay yourself down in prayer in ways that is thinking about the lost, that's thinking about your church. Pray for your church's lamp. Pray for the nation's lamp. Are you with me now? Cry out to God for the nation. Cry out to God for the world. Cry out to God for missionaries. They're all over. Who's praying for the missionaries? Pray for the missionaries. You know what I'm saying? This is very practical. If your prayer life only revolves around you, your family, your sphere of shining, then you don't have enough oil to make it through the difficult times. You have to broaden your pursuit of God to cry out to God, God bless those missionaries. God, I pray, strengthen the persecuted church. Those believers in Iran and Saudi Arabia and Somalia and North Korea and Sudan where people or Christians are being killed for their faith. Are you with me now? There's something, there's something about, even though I'm praying for them, it's because it's moving me outside of the focus of my own lamp that I am building. This, this prayer Praying for the, the persecuted church, the missionary, praying for this church, praying for this nation is because it's not for me. This is not pouring oil into my lamp. It's pouring oil into my vessels. Did you get that? Ah, hallelujah. I like that. Good preaching, Brother Rick. Thank you. I think I'll go on. So listen to this. Ha, ah, the wise, they have secret oil that nobody knows about. They have acquired, listen, when you acquire this kind of oil, you acquire oil that is more connected with who God is to you than oil that is connected to what God does for you. Does that make sense? All right, let's go on. Look at verse 5. Look at this. But, but while the bridegroom was delayed, but, but while the bridegroom was delayed, listen to this. Listen to this. There's something about the delay that always seems to reveal what's in the heart of man. It's fascinating to me. There's, no, it's no accident this is put in here. God has a message in this. He says, but, he says, but while the bridegroom delayed, in the delay is when the devil does some of his greatest work in our lives. And it's when your greatest test is. You think of Moses. I could go story after story in the Bible talking about the delay. But look at Moses. Moses went up to Mount Sinai, right? Here, for, meet with God. 
And while he's gone, he said he'd be gone so long. Now it's past that. And the people down below are saying, man, what's happened with this guy, Moses? That guy that brought us out of Egypt. And they ended up making a calf, a golden calf, out of all their earrings and stuff. And what they made, the calf they made, they bowed down to it and worshiped and literally said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. How stupid can you get and still breathe? Moses was up on the mountain meeting with the God who delivered them out of, out of Egypt, and yet they couldn't wait a few more days. They had to take matters into their own hands. Some of you are in the delay right now. You listen to me. You better be careful lest you produce an Ishmael. As you pursue God and you restore, you store up oil. Let me tell you something. It's a lot of that oil in your reserves, you know what it's for? There's a good chunk of it that's for the delays in your life so that you can stay greased, oiled, fresh, vibrant, full of joy, contented, and peaceful whenever God is lingering on for a long period and you think he should have shown up. You think, God, why didn't you do it by now? God's taking too long. And if you have reserves of oil, you understand that when God is delaying your breakthrough or your answer to prayer, it's only because God is giving you time to get hungrier and hungry and hungry enough to where that you no longer want the blessing, but you want the blesser. Oh, I like that. Hallelujah. You know, Israel, number of 11, Numbers 11, Israel, you know, cried out for, you know, meat. God, we want meat. And God said, no, it's time for manna. It's manna time, which manna literally means seed, coriander seed. God says, no, he said, it's time to eat seed. It's not, it's, there'll be meat time later. It's not meat time yet. And so the Bible says they cried out all the more. They begged God, cry, we want meat. We want meat, God, I want meat. Give me meat. And you know what God says? God says, okay, you ready for this? I'm going to show you what it's like when you get a harvest when it's not time for your harvest yet. You, you want a harvest when it's not time for it? Yes, See, we, our minds tell us a lot of times things ought to be happening. This harvest ought to be happening. That harvest ought to be happening. And so, because it ought to be happening. God, we want it now. And God says, I'll show you what it's like to get your blessing when it's not time yet for your blessing. And you know what he did? He fed him with meat for 30 days. I love this. I mean, he jammed meat down their throats. And, the, and they got so much meat that the whole camp started throwing up. You get it? See, that's what, your, that's what your harvest will do to you, even though it's what God has promised you, if it's not time for it. When you get the blessing. It'll make you sick. You won't even be happy when the blessing comes unless you first become hungry for the one who brings the blessing. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Shall I go on? Yeah. Verse 5, and they all slumbered and slept. Now, folks, because they all slumbered and slept, the wise and the foolish, then this must not be a bad slumbering and sleeping. No, it can't be because the wise and the foolish slept. And so I think what he's saying here is it's talking about the normal processes of life. 
you know, you, 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 you go to bed, you go to sleep, you wake up in the morning, you go to work, do all your stuff, you go to bed that night, go to sleep, wake up the next morning. It's the normal processes of life. And I think what he's saying, they all were going through the ups and downs of life. He said the difference was with the wise and the foolish. And that is that, is that the, 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 the wise had secret reserves of oil. So that when emergency or difficulty came, they had enough to deal with it. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Now, I love this. This is verse 6. Look at this. At midnight, a cry was heard. At midnight, a cry was heard. A shift came. Listen to this. Isn't it interesting that nobody could tell who had oil and who didn't have oil until the cry at midnight? The shift came. The voice revealed the oil. And I thought about that, and folks, this has been burning up inside of me. With all my heart, I believe we are in a season, right? As crazy as it is, people say, what's going on? I'm going to tell you what's going on. You mark my word. In the church and in our nation, but in the church, God is about to bring a shift in this nation. A cry coming at midnight. The Lord, the bridegroom comes, prepare the way of the Lord. What is the shift? The shift is going to shift from, your, let's put it this way, you're, where you're not going to hear the voice of man anymore saying, be comforted, be filled. God loves you. God wants to play. Look, God does love you. He wants to bless you. He is gracious. All of those things. But those things by themselves are not the whole gospel. There's a cry coming at midnight. And it shifts things. You know, I thought about this the other day that, you know, in Wales, the country of Wales, there was what was known as the Great Welsh Revival in 1904. Incredible move of God. And I was reading not too long ago that one of the things that happened, they said, if you would have come to Wales and visited all the churches just a week before the outpouring of the Spirit came, he said, nobody was talking about the return of the Lord. Nobody was talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture. We're going to be caught up. It's going to be over. Nobody, he said, but within a week after the outpouring of the Spirit started, everybody was talking about it. A shift came. A voice at midnight began to cry. You get this. And finally, I guess, oh, so much I want to say about that. But what I get out of this is this. Folks, we've been going through this long season in our nation where there's this American gospel preached where it's just grace and love with no cross to bear, with no denial of the flesh, with no commitment of my life to God, as if the mercy of God came on us regardless of what we did. And the Bible just doesn't teach that. The Bible says if you want mercy, Hebrews 4.16, you need to come to the throne of grace boldly and get it, the place where you get mercy from. Everybody say a shift is coming. Can I go on? All right, let's stay there in verse 6 and read on verse 7. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet them. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. 
And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Wow, this shows the foolish person's understanding of oil. The foolish person's understanding of oil. You see, they thought that you can, I'm running out of oil. I can just get oil by asking someone to give me a quick fix and go quickly and get some oil for me. And they didn't understand. The foolish don't understand that I can't go get oil for you. And I can't give you my oil. And you can't give me your oil. You have to get it for yourself. Ah, hallelujah. Give me some of your oil. Ah, they were all screwed up, man. I know I need oil. Okay, come on. I'll just go to church. Lay hands on me. People think that if they lay hands through impartation, you know, oh, man, oh, thank God I got the oil. You didn't get the oil because I can't give you my oil. You know, laying on of hands cannot give you your oil. You know what it does? It shifts you so you can have the grace to go get your oil. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's what it does. Preaching does this. Laying hands on people does this. Ministering people does It just injects you with a holy, fresh vibrance. Vibrancy. So you can go and get your own oil. They thought that, well, we can just quickly have them go get us some. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't work that way because, listen to this. Just think with me just a moment. Oil is not poured on you just instantly when someone comes to transfer that oil. They can't transfer it. God does a lot of wonderful things through laying on of hands. But actually, when the Bible speaks of oil here, it's speaking of a history of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. A history of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you don't get, you don't fill your vessel, your, your, your lamp and your vessel up quickly, just one moment. Oh, man, I had a great prayer day with God. Oil gradually increases in your life. Watch this. Through those days where all the heavens seem to be open, a little more oil. But then those days where it seems like the heavens are brass and it seems like that God is not really there moving in your prayer life, the oil is still increasing. It's increasing just as much when you feel barren in prayer as it does whenever you feel like the heavens are open in prayer. Because the oil increases not because you felt something that day. It increases because your history of obedience and continue to pursue God. Hallelujah. Look at the person next to you and say, I can't give you my oil. Tell them, come on, say, go get your own. So the point is simply this, and that is that we need to be, need to be occupied. Listen. Not with our lamps, but with our oil. God gives us our lamps. You know what's interesting is that the foolish, once they found out, man, I ain't getting in without more oil. It's so interesting. That you know what? They said, well, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to give me some of your oil. No, you can't get my oil. So they go to get more oil. 
They've got to buy it. And what they didn't understand was simply this. And that is that even when they went to buy their oil, listen to this. Notice the statement he said, they said, give us some of yours because our lamps are going out. They didn't say give us some of yours because our reserves are low. In other words, even at this last moment, they were still only concerned about getting just enough so their lamp can keep shining. When here was the bridegroom right before them, ready to come, the matchless Son of God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, they're about to meet them, and all they're concerned about, we need more oil because our lamps are going out. We need oil for our lamps. You're awful quiet out there right now. For a church, it's not how big your church is, but how much oil you have stored up in the church. For your personal life as a Christian, God's not interested in how famous you are, how many followers you've got on Facebook. But have you been storing up oil? When you're more concerned with what you look like to others than what you look like to God, then that's called foolishness. This whole Instagram thing, it's crazy. Social media thing, y'all just, just need to take a break. Listen, you ever seen somebody this? They, they got their phone. You ever seen this? And, and, and they'll go. And then, no, no. <laughs> it's like they're not, do, they're not sending this just to say something. They're projecting an image. I've got to have my best side. I'm concerned about how I look to people. It's not about the size of your lamp, but the amount of your oil. Oh, I, I got to go on. I can't. I'm going to skip over that and that and that and that. And, oh, that's so good, but I got to skip over it. Oh, yes. Our time's running out. In verse 9, it says, but the wise answered, saying, no. No, I love this. No, no. Let me tell you something. You need to learn how to say, if you're going to store up oil, you need to learn how to say no. You need to learn to say no to lesser things. Anybody who's had a history in prayer knows that it's amazing how many times that you're going to spend time with God and all of a sudden every emergency or crisis comes up, you know. People haven't, you haven't talked to in 10 years call you, want to talk to you. You listen to me. You got to say no. Everybody say no. And then verse 10 says this, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you need, know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So really the call to buy oil now is the call to live with sobriety, knowing that the Lord is coming soon. That's the thing. People don't pay the price for oil now because they're living as if this today is all there is. That the Lord's not coming back. That this is not all going to end. But I've got news for you. It is. 
This world has a way of sucking in us in under its influence. Preoccupied with job and family and finances and so forth. But it's very, very important for us to live with the thought that Jesus could come tonight or tomorrow. Bible says to live that way. He's coming. He's coming for those who are looking, looking for his appearing. If you're not looking for his appearing, if you're not, you say, when's he going to come? That, that's the whole point. We don't know. He's gonna, the Bible says he's coming as a thief in the night, which means nobody, you don't really know. So the point is, is that we are to live as if he were coming today. I pray to God. I've, I've prayed this just today. God, restore in the church in this nation a holy revelation, clear revelation, fresh revelation of the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. That the rapture is going to come. That we're going to stand before the Father. We forget that it's appointed for every man wants to die and then comes the judgment. Sorry. There's not going to be any reincarnation into another life. You won't get another shot. So let's do this. I'm going to close with this. I want you to look with me in Psalm 27. I love this. I wanted to go here. I have so much more, but if you want to stay another hour, I will do it. But otherwise, we're going to go. Thank you. That's Look at this. I love this. You ready for this? Psalm 27, 4. David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. <laughs> to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I wrap up with this. Listen to this. I love this. It's like God comes to David one day. David, what do you want me to do? What do you want, David? And David says, well, God, really, I just want one thing. Listen now. I just want one thing. What is that, David? He says, well, first of all, listen to this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. First thing, God, I want to be closer to you than any man that's ever lived. Listen to this. Secondly, he says this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold. And then he says, and to inquire in his temple. Lord, I just... Keep the lights up just a moment, if you will, please. To inquire and somebody said, God, I just want to talk to you. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Many people know what it's like to come for a little bit in the morning and talk to God, but they don't know what it's like to come and sit there for a while and look at God. He said, God, I want to come into your house, and I just want to look at you. <laughs> Ah, sometimes talking to God is what fills your lamp, but looking at him fills your vessel. <laughs> listen to this. I just want to look at you. Folks, let me, I tell you, listen, I challenge you to go back in your prayer time and quit just talking all the time and just sit looking at God. You say, well, how do I do that? Where do I look? Right here. Just take you in an open Bible and just start looking at God through passages of Scripture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's like a wheel in the middle of a wheel that's set on fire 
Oh, he's got hair like wool, eyes like balls of fire, feet like brass. He's got a voice that when it cries out, it's like a voice of a thundering of many waters. Just look at Jesus. Listen now, listen, listen. If you'll do that, then verse 5, he tells us, here's what will happen. If you'll do that, here's what will happen. You ready? Look at this. If you'll do that, verse 5, for in the time of trouble, if you'll just spend time looking at God, sitting with him, beholding him, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Write down divine protection. If you come into God's presence and begin to soak in him until the seeing him is more important than the seeing anything else in this world then you will find the time of trouble you won't be worried because you'll feel this divine protection around you he goes on to say this and then he shall set me high upon a rock write down divine perspective first divine protection now divine perspective god will set you high upon a rock so now you're no longer seeing things after your own flesh you're no longer looking at your finances through your bank account. You're no, looking, no longer looking at your body through your doctor's report. You're looking at these things from the standpoint of heaven. You have God's viewpoint on these things. Divine protection. Divine perspective. Number three, it says, And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Write down divine authority. Woo! I don't have to worry because in God's presence, I've begun to tap into the authority of Christ where I can look at the devil and say, in the name of Jesus, get out of here in Jesus' name. Stop your activity in my life. Divine protection, divine perspective, and divine authority. And lastly, he says, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Write down divine satisfaction. Wow! No matter what comes, I am satisfied in Him. I don't need to drink of the things of this world because I'm drinking of Him. Everybody stand to your feet with me. Woo! Can somebody give a shout of praise unto the Lord? Come on, give a shout of praise. Can you do Yeah, we love you, We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Go ahead and sing that. But sing it out of your heart. All the earth will shout your praise. Sing it. Hearts will cry. Bones will sing great. Are you Lord? Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at your breath. In our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath. In our lungs. We pour out our praise to you only It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise Pour out our praise It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise to you only I want you to do this Listen to me carefully Wait, listen to me carefully but I can just close your eyes just a moment. Just, just wait reverently before the Lord.
I cannot give this sermon, this message tonight without giving an invitation, inviting you to come and give your life to Christ. I don't know who all is here, where you stand with God. You, you know and God knows. If you have not given your life to Christ and you realize after hearing this tonight, oh my God, I need Him. I need to be hidden in Him. Or you say, Pastor Rick, I've known God, but I've fallen away from God. To such a degree, I just lost my relationship with God. I want to come back as a prodigal son or daughter. And I want to make things right with God. Give my life back to Him. Well, every eye is closed. I just want to ask you all this place. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if that's you, on either count, I want to come and give my life to Christ the first time, or I want to come back to Him. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand high. By raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor, I want, it. I, I want that. I want to give my life to Christ. One, two, three, right now. Quickly. As I see your hand, I see one person's hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Nobody else? Hallelujah. This one sister raised her hand. I want all of us to pray together. The dear lady raised your hand. I, I want you to take, dig deep in your heart. And I want you to give all that you are to him in this prayer. Let's say this, everybody. Say, Dear Father God, thank you for giving your son Jesus to die for me on the cross so that I might live. I confess my sins. Tonight, I want to turn from my wicked ways and give my life fully to you. So here I am, Lord. I ask for your forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now just listen to this. I want to pray then for everybody else. I don't know where you stand, but it doesn't make a difference. Wherever you are in relation to this message tonight. You know, maybe you're more on fire now than you've ever been. Maybe you say, I've dropped back 10 degrees. Or I'm back 100 degrees. Whatever it is. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I mean, when you pray it, I, pray it out of your heart. This is a prayer of returning to God, it's returning to that prayer room, returning to that place of closeness with Him. Just say this, Dear Father God, I have drifted from You. I am sorry, Lord. I repent of my sin. I come back to You tonight. My heart has been stirred by this Word. I open my heart to You now. I give myself fully to You. God, I want, to, I want to come back into the prayer room. God, and fellowship with you and sit at your feet. Father, like I've never done before. Father God, open my heart. God, give me new affections. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now I'm praying for you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. God, let the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit rest upon them. God, as they go this week, Lord God, any of them here who, who step back into that prayer room in a whole new way, Lord God, I just pray that God grant them a holy grace. God, give them a new impartation of grace, God, to go and to walk out this sermon. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, God, let your presence rest upon them, God, and surround them in the name of Jesus. Speak to them. Let them hear your voice in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. I love you all. God bless you. You're beautiful. Pastor, come up. Pastor Donna.
you know, this message has wrecked me. I hope you recorded it because I need to listen to it. I was writing as fast as I could, about 16 times. But when we were a small church, we were having a prayer meeting. And it, and it wasn't even this many people there. And it was during the week. And we were all just around praying and walking the floor and stuff. And, and I, I heard the Lord say, I desire truth in the inward parts. Not just on the surface, but in the deepest recesses of your heart. And I ran and found a piece of paper or the bulletin or something and started writing. The truth can't be found by casual thoughts and prayer. For none but the Spirit knows what's hidden there. I can't expose to the light of day something you want revealed as you're on your way. You must stop completely, as he's saying, and seek my face and be willing to look as I expose each place. Yes, you will weep and cry and mourn over that sin, but by my spirit, I'll mold you again. I'm the potter, you're the clay, but I won't let you be hardened to be thrown away. The time has come and is now, says the Lord, I'll no longer share my temple with the God of this world. I'll put up no longer with shabbiness and strife, for I'm demanding of you a holy and pure life. But our fellowship, our times of fellowship and intimacy is a secret history no one else can see. But the fruit of these times will be seen in you, in your quiet spirit, strong and true. No, no storm or trial will blow you away, no circumstance or things men say. My quiet confidence will keep you from harm, so just stay in the shelters, shelter of my loving arms. I wrote that June 15th of 1983. And it's been a guiding thing of my life. But the revelation of this oil in lamps, there were so many questions that were answered tonight that I've asked the Lord. There's little tweaks of that parable that I'd ask the Lord tonight. And I would encourage you to, to take this, get, get the, hope you recorded it, get it and listen to it, take notes on it, and then just little places in it let the Lord speak to you in that deep place amen